There's a spirit in our land raising up the kind of man with a burning in his heart to be free. Like the preacher man of old, he can't be bought, he can't be sold. What did they preach? They preached liberty to a people who love their liberty. Liberty to exercise all their God-given rights granted them at the time of their birth. The right to speak their arms and pray, worship God on land and say, from bad law we will keep our people free. Accounting for his disregard of law Told their people not to yield before his threats For God established rulers to protect the rights of man And ordained government to fit into his plan To maintain his people's liberty Liberty to exercise all their God-given rights Granted them at the time of their birth The right to speak their arms and pray Worship God on land and say From bad law we will keep our people free Through the jewelry we'll guard our liberty Such preacher men today to show our people the way to redeem their lost liberty. The fires of hell cannot prevail against one man who'll take a stand from the pulpit, exposed tyranny, and teach his people liberty. Liberty to exercise all their God-given rights, granted them time of their birth, the right to speak their arms and pray, worship God on land and say, from bad law, we will keep our people free, through the jury, we'll guard our liberty, liberty to exercise all their God-given rights, granted them at the time of their birth, the right to speak their arms and pray, worship God not guilty we choose to acquit the state was wrong to charge him this law is not fit for a people who love their liberty for a people who will die for liberty greetings ladies and gentlemen and thank you for listening to the voice of liberty This is Rick Tyler greeting you and wishing you the ability in the days ahead to not only know and understand and comprehend the truth, but to then make proper application of the truth. Because if you possess a tool, but you don't know how to use it, then 
the possession of that tool obviously doesn't have the same power and meaning and effectiveness that it would otherwise. And a great many people, of course, are puffed up with knowledge. They possess a certain level and degree of understanding, but they then don't know how to roll their sleeves up and to go out and make application of that truth. It is very important that we are in tune, that we are discerning, that we have an understanding and a comprehension of what the demands and the dictates are of the time that we are living in. What would God have us to do? There are various responses that people have as they come into the knowledge and possession of truth. Of course, very often when people realize that they have been deceived throughout uh, virtually the entirety of their life, their immediate visceral response is one of anger, even outrage, indignation. And it is, of course, galling to observe the extent and the degree to which secrecy and deception are practiced routinely at all levels of our societal structure and civilization today. It is interwoven into the fabric of our existence in such a profound and intense and calculated manner that when one discovers this gargantuan fraud that we are all living under, that touches virtually every aspect of our existence, it is something that incites righteous indignation, and rightfully so. Now, of course, we don't want to let that righteous indignation be funneled or channeled in the wrong direction. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. The scripture, of course, requires that we be good stewards of what we have been given by our God. And of course, to come to the knowledge and understanding of greater truth is, as I have pointed out, in and of itself a gift. It is an indication that God has favored you with a rare ability, something that is not routine in our world today. Now, of course, we also want to avoid the pride and the condescension that might result thinking that we are something special. It is only by the grace of God that we are not like all of the other people that surround us who are fixated on and preoccupied with worldly affairs and with the aspects of our culture and existence that, from a biblical standpoint, profit very little, if anything. It seems that today, of course, obviously, uh, free bread and circuses in our modern scheme of things, just like in ancient Rome, are still predominant and in the forefront of people's minds. Now, this has diminished slightly since the onset of the phony uh, COVID-19 virus slash pandemic slash epidemic, call it what you may. Many people are more aware now uh, since that process has unfolded before their very eyes and they have seen the absurdities uh, of the the various dimensions and aspects of this all-consuming event, that coupled, of course, with the fraud in the election of 2020, the stolen presidential election. This has served as a wake-up call in a very real way for significant numbers of people. But amazingly, astonishingly, there is still a very massive percentage of the population, 
that is oblivious to the profundity of these events of which I'm speaking. They continue on their merry way, uh, ignorant of, oblivious to, and very apathetic toward these otherwise exceedingly critical circumstances that have enveloped us at the present time. So again, we want to be able to make proper application of the truth that God is giving us the ability to see. I often remind people that the Apostle Paul said that we are to prove all things and to hold fast that which is good. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes that the whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep his commandments. Obviously, we need to take that to heart. We know that Paul says in Romans chapter 12 that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And he goes on to say that that is our reasonable service. In other words, it's nothing special. It is merely our reasonable service. So we have these imperatives, these instructions given to us. We are told that we are to do the work of an evangelist. We are instructed that we are to preach the word, to be instant in season and out of season. We are told, of course, by our Messiah that we are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt, of course, is both a preservative as well as an abrasive. We are to be that proverbial shining city on a hill. We are to not place our light under a bushel, but rather to let our light so shine before men. And of course, the ability to communicate and convey the truth that we possess is an indispensable component of what we are charged with doing, what our responsibility is. Now, in our previous message, we were dealing with the fact that in the ultimate grand scheme of things, in the final analysis, nothing will be hidden. Everything will be revealed. And we, we looked at a scripture verse to that effect, but today we will be looking at Luke chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, which reiterate essentially the same, the same principle, the same truth. It says in these verses of Scripture, Luke, the 12th chapter, beginning in verse 2, For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. So again, it is very, very vital, it is very urgent that we understand, that we know, that we believe, and that we take great solace and comfort in the recognition of the fact that everything will ultimately and eventually be exposed, be revealed, be laid bare. 
There is nothing that the powers and the forces of evil and darkness do that will not be completely laid out and exposed by the sovereign hand of God. Now, of course, a big part of our mission in the here and now is to be the foot soldiers of the God of Scripture, to be his ambassadors, to be his emissaries, to be his battle axes. We are to be engaged actively in the heralding and the proclamation of truth. We are to be engaged in a very active sense in the exposition of the deeds of the wicked. In other words, the documentation and the delineation and the exposure of their villainy, their criminality, that which they do that flies in the face of the righteousness, the truth, and the law of the God that we serve. Of course, in holding people's feet to the fire via exposing their wicked deeds, we are actually being given the blessing of playing a role in the process whereby Almighty God meets out justice and judgment against the wicked. We know that if he so desired, he could simply obliterate everyone out of existence who offends him and who are disobedient. But he does not choose to operate in that fashion. He does not choose to just simply uh, via power emanating from on high to deal harshly with people, but instead he will allow, God that is, will allow a process to unfold whereby uh, people who are in error will be confronted. They will be given an opportunity to mend or correct their ways, to take the proper course of action if they uh, so choose to do that. Now, of course, we know that in the vast majority of cases and circumstances, that does not happen. We know that God gives people over to a reprobate mind. We know that, as the Scripture says, as Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, because they received not the love of the truth, God gave them over to strong delusion that they might believe a lie. So we know that when somebody drives their stakes in very deep, when they stand firmly and pridefully and stubbornly on falsity and on error. It is difficult at best for them to have the humility sufficient to acknowledge their error, their wrongdoing, and to make the crooked path straight. And all the more so when people engage in wicked behavior and conduct and activity, when they then have criminality and and unrighteousness and depravity to try to cover up and to sweep under the rug. So this is a very, very complex equation uh, whereby we are being called to walk the point, to be on the front lines of the battle for truth. But in many respects, we are up against a problem that is like the Rock of Gibraltar, trying to get people to become dislodged from the lies that they believe so that a vacuum can be created which will be filled with truth and with knowledge. Yes, it's a very, very difficult proposition, and yet God has seen fit 
to make this a very integral, a very foundational part of our mission of service to him. We are not allowed, according to Scripture, to just simply selfishly go off and revel in the fact that we know the truth and simply separate ourselves entirely uh, so that we can ride out the storm, if you will, while everything around us perishes or destroyed. Now, in some respects, of course, such as in the days of Noah, God did intend in the construction of the ark for Noah and his family to rise above the waters of judgment that engulfed the planet. That was a very special and and unique time historically when God chose to use this flood to wreak havoc and death and destruction upon the earth. Now, we don't anticipate, obviously, based on the authority of Scripture, that God would ever perfectly replicate the events of the days of Noah. And yet, at the same time, we know there is a parallel and an analogy to be drawn between the circumstances that typified the world that Noah was living in and the circumstances that typify the world that we live in today. We believe, many of us who have studied this subject, believe that that certain of the nefarious activities that were going on in the time of Noah that were of particular uh, particular reprehensible uh, type uh, definition to God that many of those activities are going on today. And of course, they are still stench in his nostrils. We know that uh, there are references in Genesis 6 to the sons of God looking upon the daughters of men and seeing that they were fair and actually taking them for wives. Many people today are becoming aware when the scripture says in Genesis 6, and there were giants in the land, many people are becoming aware today that there is actual deliberate activity ongoing to hide the fact of the past existence of these giants, the destruction of artifacts and the results of excavations proving the existence of the giants. This is an ongoing crime in and of itself because the powers that be today do not want people to understand these biblical truths, that there are other dimensional beings that the scripture alludes to and references, uh, actually fallen angels, if you will. There are actual beings that have in the past and today, no doubt as well, are capable of cohabitation with women of the earth. And that, of course, in the days of Noah, this evidently was particularly acute to the extent that it contributed to the pervasive depravity that led God to wreak havoc and destruction upon the earth at that time. Millions and millions of people were killed by the sovereign hand of God as he unleashed a torrent of physical type circumstances upon the earth that brought about the death and demise of these vast sums and numbers of people. The wicked, of course, were so pervasive in the earth at that time that Noah alone was in a category of being pure in his, gen- in his generations. Noah and his family, of course, were brought upon the ark and they were preserved by God. Now, in the days of Noah, the activities of men 
were depraved. And, of course, today, the activities of men are exceedingly depraved. Men's consciences have been seared with a hot iron. Men have been given over to reprobation. And, of course, when you have a reprobate mind, you, you lose the ability to be sensitive to and to be understanding of what truth is and what righteous conduct really is. It is possible for people who have been given over to reprobation to actually believe that their degrading and depraved conduct and behavior is good, that it is preferable to the adherence to the law and the truth of God. So again, it is critical that we remember, that we remind ourselves, that we stand firmly upon the realization that everything is going to be revealed and nothing will be hid. In fact, the truth, as the scripture we read references will be shouted from the housetops. In other words, it will be loudly and unequivocally proclaimed. And all of this is part of God's judgment process against a lost and dying civilization, culture, and world. Now, there is hope, of course, always. Hope springs eternal because with God all things are possible. And Jesus has made it plain, made it clear that all power in heaven and earth has been given to him. And of course, we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We serve the great and mighty God of Scripture who is entirely superior to the sum total of that which exists in the creative realm of this world that we live in. Yes, we indeed serve a mighty and a great God of incalculable proportions and of limitless power. And so we never want to let the pendulum swing so far in the direction of despair and hopelessness that we are rendered impotent by this great pressure that naturally comes as a result of our understanding of the extent to which the forces of evil have developed their plan. And as I have pointed out, it is remarkable to observe the extent and the degree to which they have succeeded in foisting their diabolical agenda upon us. Yes, in many ways, we, collectively speaking, as a people, we have been asleep at the wheel. We have been twiddling our thumbs, uh, or we have been fiddling while Rome burned, so to speak. We have allowed so much evil to rise up and grow up around us without lifting scarcely a finger to resist it, that in many ways we deserve what we are experiencing today. We have not played the role of the watchman upon the wall, nor have we listened to those who have played that role. And so as a result, we have wallowed in worldliness and carnality. We have indulged in the things of this world. And in many ways, we have loved the world. Of course, the scripture says in 1 John, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loveth the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So the love of the world has been a big problem among our people. And yet everything is changing right now because the forces of evil they are choosing to tighten the screws in a very vivid and in a very 
easily recognized manner at the present moment in time. Major sea change events have been happening right before our very eyes. And of course, a little over a year ago, we began to be subjected to the dialogue and discussion of the forthcoming pandemic. This suddenly was thrust into the epicenter of the news cycle, if you recall. We began to be told there is this this virus called COVID-19 that has either escaped from the laboratory uh, in China or it has somehow uh, been present in this meat uh, market this uh, in Wuhan, China, this market where all types of animals without uh, virtually any attention being paid to due diligence in how the uh, animals are bought and sold and slaughtered on the spot, etc., etc. We were told that somehow, possibly, that this strain of virus jumped from a bat uh, to humans. All of these theories were swirling around and abounding as to the possible introduction of and commencement of this outbreak, this outbreak of a viral event that was slated to spread throughout the whole world. Of course, initially we were subjected to propaganda, film footage from China that even included people dropping dead in the streets. All types of fear uh, was engendered, a great deal of fear was engendered to prepare the psyche of the, the global community as well as the American public for what we were told was the inevitable spread of this killer virus. There was all types of hype. There was a great deal of fear-mongering. The media was in lockstep and in unison on this. It became the dominant story. And it wasn't long before the president, Trump, declared a state of national emergency. And of course, then the governors of the states throughout the nation, they, a great many of them, similarly also declared states of emergency within their uh, individual geographic regions and jurisdictions. And then, of course, it trickled right down to cities and counties where mayors of cities assumed authoritarian-type power and began lording it over their population, over their people. Policies and procedures were rolled out with uniformity throughout the country relative to to commands and basically instructions that people were to do such things as social distance, shelter in place. This new vocabulary, this new lexicon, this new nomenclature was introduced. And of course, the media picked right up on it and people began bandying about these terms. It wasn't long before the wearing of masks began to be mandated. There were mandatory closings of businesses that were deemed to be non-essential. And even businesses that were deemed to be essential were commanded to implement new policies, such as restaurants 
only being allowed to serve takeout food. Or in the case of when they were open or opened after the cessation of the mandate for merely serving takeout, they were to close down every other table and not let people be seated in groups larger than four or five people. All of these policies, all of these dictates did not originate in the minds of those who were issuing forth the declarations and, of course, expressing the intent to enforce these policies. Instead, they derived from and they emanated from the United Nations. Yes, the United Nations, that Trojan horse upon American soil, that evil palace of strangers that should have never, ever been allowed to exist on American soil, it was acting as the authoritative superstructure for the distribution and for the release of all of these policies and directives that were to subsequently be followed throughout the nation and even, of course, throughout the world. Everybody, predictably, they went along lock, stock, and barrel with these edicts and these mandates because, after all, they had been told that there was the very real and present danger of vast numbers of deaths that would result from the COVID-19 virus. It was projected at the onset that as many as 2 million people in America alone uh, might die from the virus. And so a mortality rate uh, approaching 1% of the nation's population was being projected, being conjectured as to the likelihood of And this then, of course, was a pretense for the assumed necessity of a vaccine that could prevent people from being vulnerable and susceptible uh, to the acquisition of this deadly virus. Now, each step of the way, this carefully plotted, calculated, and methodically implemented process unfolded, and it was used to torpedo and eviscerate the American economy, and of course, even the global economy. The processes that the people were subjected to and required to follow after did incalculable injury and damage to the nation's economy. And of course, it thrust people into an economic tailspin, one that they have yet to recover from. And we find out, of course, and many of us, those listening to my voice and those who are familiar with these subjects, we realized from the outset that this was what we were dealing with. But of course, at the same time, we also know that they have, in their Frankenstein-type laboratories, they have developed killer-type viruses that could be unleashed, theoretically, in the future. And we recognized at the time of the uh, unfolding of this COVID phenomenon, we recognize that there was at least a possibility that they might be preparing to let a deadly virus out of the laboratory that could, in fact, kill very substantial numbers of people. Of course, had they done something such as what I'm speaking of, they would have doubtlessly had 
for the elite some type of preventative antidote that would save them and safeguard them from being affected by this type of deadly virus that they, again, doubtlessly do possess. And, of course, none other than Bill Gates uh, has already, in an interview, stated that there is extreme likelihood that there will be a stronger and more deadly virus in the not-too-distant future. Just as this was the case after 9-11, at that time there was a declaration of war against international terrorism, and it was referred to as a 100-year war that we were embarking upon against terrorism. Well, you can rest assured that in this present situation that we are dealing with, that similarly there are plans afoot to extend and carry on this so-called war against deadly pandemics far into the future. And then, of course, on top of that, there have been the political events of 2020 whereby the presidential election was stolen and Donald Trump called for support to come to Washington, D.C. Legions of people did respond and they, by doing that, created the, the fertile climate within which provocateur-type entities were able to incite a modicum of violence at the nation's uh, capitol building in Washington, D.C., that could then be leveraged uh, into a storyline that an insurrection had transpired and taken place. And of course, within the last few days, representatives within the legislative bodies of our government have been expressing their ongoing supposed concern as to their safety and security because they believe that, or at least they claim they believe, that the supporters of Donald Trump, who is now, of course, down at Mar-a-Lago, and will be continuing to conduct his political activities from South Florida. The belief has been expressed by various members of the elite and the liberal socialistic brigade of our national government, the belief that they are in a very real state of danger relative to the continuing activities of Donald Trump and his supporters. They are, they claim, choosing to keep the troops and the barbed wire and the fortress-type setup that they have in the nation's capital today. They are proceeding to keep that intact while claiming that they believe that it is necessary for their continuing safety and security. They purportedly believe that more insurrection activity is a threat to take place and transpire and occur. And therefore, they must remain hunkered down in this defensive posture. And of course, all of this feeds into the narrative that it is now incumbent upon the national government to fight a war against domestic terrorism. And of course, the domestic terrorists are those who are of a conservative pro-Trump, Christian, 
pro-Constitution, pro-Second Amendment type attitude and outlook. This is the enemy now in the eyes of, of those who are operating the levers of power in our government. And just as was the case after 9-11, wherein they had already prepared something called the Patriot Act, as well as the, the blueprint for the implementation of a Department of Homeland Security and a TSA uh, administration at the airport, they had all of these preparations in advance of the false flag 9-11 events. So too, today, have they already had prepared and ready for implementation massive uh, legislation, reportedly some 20,000 pages in terms of its volume, as well as the establishment of specified efforts and activities towards the ferreting out of those who represent a threat relative to domestic terrorism, as it's being called, an insurrection and sedition. Yes, they are dead serious about going after people in a very menacing way, violating and in wholesale fashion, stripping them of their God-given rights, putting them under surveillance, using the methods and tactics that were used in the aftermath of 9-11. Extraordinary rendition, doubtlessly, will play into this. And, of course, many sources are stating that there are plans, even, to begin to implement beheading as a form of capital punishment under federal law in the days ahead that lie before us. Now, of course, many would like to believe that all of this, all of this is just paranoia. It is just fantasy. It is somehow uh, just some concoction of the fertile imagination of people who are uh, fixated on negative activities and negative policies that are going forth. And yet, the evidence, the empirical evidence, is very, very substantial. It is very much undeniable and irrefutable for those with eyes to see and with ears to hear. Yes, there has always been and doubtlessly will continue to be a notable percentage of the population that is simply incapable and utterly unwilling to consider these grim and these very hard-to-deal-with truths that I'm speaking of. And yet, we must face them head-on. We must look at what the enemy is doing. And, and again, let us not mince words here. Let us state with clarity and with certainty that we have abject traitors in Washington, D.C. today that are running this national government. These people, by textbook definition, they are traitors. A traitor, of course, is someone who gives aid and comfort to the enemy of the nation. Now, of course, during the Trump administration, he was ceaselessly accused of having colluded with Russia. And somehow, the left, during the years of Donald Trump, had come to the conclusion that Russia was our arch enemy. Now, during the Cold War, when the East and the West were in basically 
a stare-down type contest. During that period of time, the left in America had great difficulty ever acknowledging and recognizing the extent to which Russia and the Soviet Union were the enemy of America. There was always the propensity to mollycoddle and soft pedal uh, anything that would bear witness to that fact. And yet during the Trump years, the opposite was true. A Russia, which of course had lost its empire, the Soviet Union had been dissolved, but a Russia which size-wise and budgetary uh, considerations-wise was vastly inferior to America, suddenly was elevated to a mythological status of potency and potential endangerment to America. And of course, Vladimir Putin uh, became the figure to demonize and hold up as the alleged great threat to America. And of course, the narrative was that supposedly Trump had great admiration for uh, Putin and that there had been collusion and assistance by the Russians to enable Donald Trump to win the election. This was, in a simplistic nutshell, the narrative that was advanced. And of course, vast sums of money were spent in an ongoing investigation to try to ferret out evidence and proof of this Russian collusion theory. Just like the pandemic of 2020, it became very obvious very quickly that there was no substance whatsoever to that which was being alleged. And yet, just as with the COVID-19 phenomenon, in the case of the theory of Russian collusion, it was strung along year after year, and it continued to be treated as a realistic and viable threat and reality. The notion that the Russians had somehow contributed to Trump's ability to win the 2016 election. And of course, the presumption uh, thereupon would be built that it was an ongoing threat, an ongoing danger. And to this day, of course, the socialistic uh, left-wing liberal world still clings to the belief in this mythology. Well, similarly with the pandemic, with the COVID-19 phenomenon, even though early on in the unfolding of this would-be drama, it became obvious to any truth seeker of even minimal caliber that it was an overblown, bogus bill of goods. Nevertheless, the controlled partisan media and the, the leftist faction within our nation continued to, and do continue to this day, to treat the pandemic, the COVID-19 virus, as though it is a real and threatening, menacing uh, phenomenon that has killed hundreds of thousands of people in America alone. Of course, those with uh, the ability to study and research and document know that comorbidity has been responsible for the lion's share, the overwhelming majority of the deaths that have been attributed to the virus. And so it is a completely gerrymandered event. The statistics are contrived. 
and yet utilizing and pursuing the gaslighting technique. The sources of authority in the nation today in government and in media and in academia and in virtually every primary and principal sphere of influence, they continue with a straight face to act as though this problem is real, that it is of towering proportions, that it is likely to once again cycle back around and continue to escalate. Of course, the mandatory wearing of masks has been part and parcel of this overall phenomenon. And people have been been conditioned, even when they're not under a mask mandate, to don masks anyways. And it has become a form of virtue signaling. It has become a behavioral pattern that has been become entrenched within the population of the nation. Well, again, I go back to our opening scripture and premise that nothing will be hid. Nothing is going to remain covered up and hidden in the future. And even in the here and now, we are allowed, we are gifted by our God to be able to be a part of the process whereby exposition of what is going on will occur and transpire. Now, again, in the final analysis, the ultimate exposition will happen when our God, the God of Scripture, meets out thorough, comprehensive, and final judgment to all of the wicked, to all of those who have participated in these staggering crimes against their fellow man and against humanity. Now, we have spent some time in recent broadcasts talking about some of the more extraordinary false flag events uh, that have been perpetrated by those in power. And of course, the false flag event, or the false flag event, is one where the perpetrator disguises the fact that they are, in fact, the perpetrator, and instead they masquerade as though they are someone else. Of course, the events of January 6th, as we have pointed out, had a false flag component to them in that members of the left don the attire of Trump supporters and position themselves at the head of the pack to incite violence and provide the optics that could then be used to support the idea that there was an insurrection, that there were riots at the nation's capital. Even though the overwhelming, massive majority percentage of the people who came to D.C. that day to protest the stealing of the election, they were entirely and completely peaceful. And among those who did engage in any level or degree of violence, there was a provocateur faction that was predominant in that element. And of course, one thing that provocateurs are charged with the responsibility of is to incite other people who would be otherwise neutral uh, in terms of this type of conduct, to, in, to draw them in, to lure them into participation in the uh, objectionable type of conduct. In this case, we're talking about violence, uh, exchanges of violence between the protesters and between law enforcement. Now, of course, obviously, even those who did engage in violent activities, such as removing barriers, uh, you know, trying to get beyond otherwise locked facilities, even among those, there was no overt 
intent to bring injury or death upon law enforcement officers. One law enforcement officer that did die, of course, it was purported that he died from blunt trauma to the head, that he was hit with a fire extinguisher. But it turns out that wasn't the cause of his death. Instead, it turns out that his death was precipitated and brought about by causes that may have been partially influenced or exacerbated by uh, the tensions of what he was undergoing and the experiences that he was undergoing. But the death was not directly attributable to any type of conduct on the part of those who were protesting or any type of blunt trauma that happened to his head. This was a fabrication. It was misrepresentation of the facts. And yet his body, of course, laid in state and it was you know, made a big deal of as though he were a martyr of this event. Well, that was a false flag uh, characteristic of the January 6th events because without question, it is well documented, even though the controlled partisan media does like they always do. They claim that there's no evidence, there's no substantiation of this, just like they claimed all along there was no credible evidence of voter fraud during the election or the stealing of the election. But concerning the provocateur false flag element of January 6th, they claim there's no evidence of leftist provocateurs masquerading as Trump supporters when the evidence is before everybody's very eyes. It's well documented. It's actually documented on film in terms of the the preparatory actions of people who were getting ready to assume that posture and position at the Capitol to be the provocateurs. So again, the enemy will always lie through their teeth. They will always claim that there is no evidence when there is overwhelming and abundant evidence. This is part of their gall, their audacity, their shameless uh, efforts and endeavors to propagate lies at every turn. Well, again, we've talked about some other high-profile false flag events that have happened in, in recent decades in America because everything has gradually laid the groundwork for what we are experiencing today. This is all part of an evolving plan to bring about full-blown world government, global government, with the simultaneous dismantling of the lawful constitutional republic that was bequeathed to us by our forefathers, a very, very integral part of our legacy and our inheritance. The false flag events play a major role in the unfolding of this globalist plan. And in many ways, it is so demeaning that the people of America and the other nations of the world are viewed as less than pawns on the chessboard. They are viewed as minuscule uh, entities or personages that are to be toyed with, that are to be manipulated in the way that we are throughout time and history. It is presumed by the elite that that there will be little, if any, meaningful resistance on the part of those who are being manipulated and shoehorned into certain patterns of behavior that can then be parlayed into their enslavement. 
And so again, this is a grim situation that we face. All of this is interconnected. It's been going on for many, many decades, for generations, in fact. During the 20th century, the two world wars were a very, very critical cornerstone of the evolution of the circumstances that we face today. The global economy, of course, was fashioned and shaped in the aftermath of World War II. Plans such as the Marshall Plan and Bretton Woods were a very critical component of shaping the dystopic world that we are now evolving into today. Events such as 9-11 constituted the grounds and the pretense for sea change type circumstances that were a very, very critical component of the evolution of our present circumstances. And even before 9-11, in the 1990s, we had the bombing of the Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And of course, that event, like 9-11, involved controlled demolition instead of the purported terrorist attack on this federal facility by Tim McVeigh and by Terry Nichols. Tim McVeigh, of course, and Terry Nichols, they were the Lee Harvey Oswald of the Oklahoma bombing. They were the fall guys. They were the patsies. They were the ones who were set up to take the blame, to take the fall. And of course, the evidence was clear and overwhelming at that time. The signature of the blast that brought down the Murrow Federal Building was an outward signature, not inward. If the building had been blown up by a truck bomb parked outside on the, beyond the sidewalk, the signature of the blast would have been inward. It would have been obvious to anyone with basic demolitions, knowledge, and understanding. And of course, an individual, General Benton Parton, who was a leading authority on these matters, on these technical uh, subjects, General Parton, a four-star general with great expertise in the area of demolitions, he did thoroughly document back at that time in the mid-90s that the blast was from within the building. The initial news reports, of course, were overwhelmingly revelatory of the fact that there were multiple uh, bombs. There were some that did not detonate that were found in the building. This came out in the early news reports, which, of course, were very dutifully and very quickly swept under the rug. So this event, the bombing of the Murrah Federal Building uh, in Oklahoma City, this was another major event to set the stage and lay the groundwork for what subsequently happened in America uh, at the turn of the millennium at 9-11. My dear friends, it is... It is indeed, it is sad, it is tragic that we find ourselves, ourselves in these circumstances. And yet, as I said earlier, hope springs eternal. We have the truth in our arsenal, unlike our enemies who do not possess the truth. And that truth is something that we can wield as a broadsword, as a great weapon of power against the lies and deceptions that are intended to enslave us. If you would like to communicate with us, you can write to us at Post Office Box 274, Etowah, E-T-O-W-A-H, Tennessee, 37331, or you can call us at 
7902, or you can email us at voiceofliberty1776 at gmail.com. Thank you so much for being tuned into this broadcast. We are very thankful and appreciative of the fact that growing numbers of people in the land today are learning and beginning to understand that there are great problems that we must address, that we must troubleshoot, that we must deal with. A growing, escalating number of people are beginning to see and recognize and understand that we have a stewardship responsibility to be guardians of the liberties and freedoms that Almighty God mercifully bestowed upon our ancestors. And furthermore, that we are to be proactive in going after the forces of evil who are seeking the destruction of all that is good and true and righteous and holy in this nation and throughout this world today. Many people are developing a solemn and a sober attitude and outlook and mindset towards their growing responsibilities to be actively engaged in the battle against Satan and his minions. We have only scratched the surface of what is going on right before our very eyes. And there is so much more to learn, to know, to understand, and then to do. And God willing, as time progresses, we will talk more about active and constructive game plans and blueprints for action and agendas, if you will, that people of our ilk and disposition are contemplating as to how we might survive that which awaits us in the days ahead. The judgments of Almighty God are very, very sure. At times they are swift. At times, of course, the wheels of divine justice turn very slowly. But one thing is certain and undeniable. As again, the scripture says, nothing will be hid in the days ahead. Everything will be exposed. And we, of course, have the exciting proposition given to us by our God that we can actually play a role in the unfolding of this drama, that we can have the opportunity to, to be the foot soldiers of Almighty God in the conflict of the ages, the battle that rages between righteousness and evil, between truth and the lie. There are many innocent victims that we must come to the aid and assistance of in the days ahead. And by the grace of God, we will do that very thing. Until our next time together, this is Rick Tyler thanking you again for tuning in and looking forward to being with you again soon. Until then, may God bless and protect you. We need such preacher men today to show our people the way to redeem their lost liberty. Fires of hell cannot prevail against one man who'll take a stand from the pulpit, expose tyranny, and teach his people liberty. Liberty to exercise all their God-given rights, practice